Jack Sherry on 2FM. It is time for How to Be an Adult and if you are a regular listener, you know that when it comes to housing, Dr. Lorcan Sir, Senior Lecturer at the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at the Technical... I have to take a breath in the middle of this. <laughs> the Technical University Dublin is the man we turn to when it comes to housing because um, it's a tricky... Tricky place to be the housing market in Ireland, whether you're renting or buying. And when you throw in a pandemic, things get even trickier. Hello, Lorcan. Louise, hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, I had to take a breath there when I was when I was giving you your full title. <laughs> it's, it's the technological university is what it is. And it, it's, it's quite a tricky one because there's so many variations on that word <laughs> that it, it comes out as all sorts of things. Well, sure. Look, we're there now. Um, so uh, we have spoken to you a few times about uh, housing within this pandemic. Um, but we, I suppose, are... are in a somewhat different place now because we've been in the, at these level five restrictions. And what do level five restrictions mean for people who are renting? Well, it's it's really interesting because what what it means effectively is a ban on rent increases for a lot of, if you've been affected by COVID-19, like in other words, if you're in receipt of the PUP payment, it's effectively a ban on rent increases and it's a ban on evictions until about the 12th or the 12th of April or so. Um, but it's it's interesting because it's connected with all these protections for tenants and landlords come in any time there's a 5k limit. So in other words, the government decided that they couldn't just introduce protections for landlords and tenants um, you know, particularly a ban on evictions for with no reason. So they had to tie it in with public health. So anytime there's a kind of a public health crisis, in other words, when we're limited to 5Ks from our home, these, these uh, the ban on eviction, the ban on, on rent increases automatically kick in. And then when the 5K limit is lifted, those the, the ban on evictions and rent increases automatically disappear as well. So it's connected with public health because what they don't want is people being uh, evicted or, you know, for particularly for non-payment to rent and moving around. I mean, they want people to stay in, in the one place and not having to search for other accommodation or leave or end up on the streets or whatever in the middle of a pandemic. So it's all tied in with, with public health, you know. Right. So what you're saying is even if we, because the levels seem to be out the window now, I mean, level five, level four, level three, it's all kind of meaningless because there are certain adaptations to all of them. Um, but even if there was no relaxation of restrictions aside from an increase of the kilometre limit of our travel, that then the restrictions for landlords and tenants or the, the guidelines for landlords and tenants would change. Yeah, they, they, they would change, uh, but not until the 12th, uh, the 12th of April, uh, it's the 5th of April and 10 days after is, is the ban on eviction. So there's, nothing would happen until the earliest anything can happen is, is early April. Uh, and even then, there, there's you can't just flip off the switch and say, you know, the 5k limit is done, so everything is back to normal. Mm. So there's, the, the, there's uh, early April and then there's a 10 day grace period thereafter to allow things you know allow a bit of kind of wriggle room there uh, for landlords and tenants because if you just if you just lifted the switch uh, you know anytime the 5k limit was lifted and said everything's back to normal tomorrow uh, there'd be mayhem in the market uh, both in the in the kind of in the house buying and all that kind of market but also in, in the rental sector as well you know and do you think that tenants need to be preparing themselves do you think it's likely that there will be kind of a, a reasonably large number of evictions and uh, rent increases and things like that once this is dry yeah, I, I think. I mean, the rent increases can already happen at the moment, but only for people who aren't affected by the yeah. by by the COVID. But I think for 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 both landlords and tenants, I suspect there's going to be a lot of disputes coming down the line. And I tell you why: the during the pandemic, a lot of landlords were very good in in fairness to them, and they gave, you know, they they let their their tenants 
off on some of the rent. However, it's I think there's a lot of there's a lack of clarity between landlords and tenants about whether if the landlord said, okay, you're not paying two grand a month, you're going to pay 1800 a month for the next three months. It, I think there's probably a lack of clarity there between the tenants and landlord as to whether that's like 1800 a month and I don't have to pay back the extra 200 a month that he mm. let me off or whether it's a rent deferral or a rent reduction. So I suspect, you know, when everything is lifted, you know, and I, I also think that a lot of agreements between landlords and tenants were probably verbal ones on the phone, you know, yeah. can you let me off the rent? I'm in a bit of trouble. Can you reduce the rent? And there's nothing in writing. Mm. And I think that when it comes to the end of this, that when, you know, tenants decide to move on or buy a house or whatever, and they go for their deposit back and the landlord says, well, actually, I'm keeping 600 euro that deposit because, you know, I let you off 200 a month for three months. Uh, and the tenant goes, oh, well, I thought it was a rent reduction. So I suspect at the end of this, there could well be a whole load of disputes lined up because just, you know, the usual stuff, you don't put it in writing, you know, uh, and it's really important to do that. So would you recommend then if someone has an arrangement like that or has had at some stage an arrangement like that during the last year, would you recommend that they kind of seek some sort of clarity on that, whether it's what they want to hear, which obviously is, I know we've written that off, or if it's, um, well, yeah, actually, I'll take it out of your deposit. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the way to do it is to send an email to your tenant or your landlord and say, look, just confirming our arrangement is and set it out really clearly that you're letting me off 200 a month and you won't claim it back. So it's a rent reduction or it's a rent deferral. So whatever you think it is, send that to your landlord or send that to your tenant just so that everybody's on the same page because it's this lack of clarity and the verbal agreements. And look, it's understandable. You know, people lose their job on a Friday, on a Monday, they ring the landlord and say, you know, I, I need a bit, of, uh, a bit of leeway. And the landlord says, grand. But that's it. It's just a phone conversation uh, and, and you really need it in writing. So I'd recommend you just write to your tenant, email your tenant or email your, your, your landlord and just get something in writing. And if they don't come back, you can kind of take that as, as, as agreement that they, you know, they're agreeing to what you said. Can we talk a little bit about the, the buying market? Because um, I had not heard about this, um, and of course it makes sense, but people who maybe got mortgage approval, say, toward the end of December, um, and they have their, it's three months, isn't it? Your, your mortgage approval lasts for roundabout. Um, six, six months. Six be. months. Okay, so you've, but you've lost ostensibly, you know, coming up on three months of time where you would be looking at houses and all the rest. Um, so what's been happening there? People sure, I mean, can people look at houses at the moment? Technically, no, you can't. You can only go to view a house if you've already looked at it online. So, and there's great programs now, uh, and there's great resources available for viewing properties. You know, you can walk through uh, from your laptop, you can go and look at the house and go upstairs, downstairs, and see the plans and the photographs and walk in and out of it virtually, like almost like playing, you know, uh, one of these computer games at Sims. home. Yeah. Um, but you can't go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can't. I was thinking Game of War or Warpath or one of these kind of things, but you can't um, go and see it until your sale agreed. So in other words, you look at it online, you say, okay, will we take a chance in this house? I mean, you agree a price with the vendor, with the, the person selling the house or the estate agent. Uh, and then when contracts are drawn up, but not signed, right? When contracts are drawn up between your solicitor and the vendor solicitor, then you're allowed in to look at the property that you've already agreed to buy. However, in Ireland, nothing is done until the contracts are signed. So you can always walk away. It's just a waste of time and a waste of your you know, solicitor's time and their solicitor's time. But you, when you go and look at the property and if it's not for you, you think, actually, this is really damp and I didn't see that online or it's not nice or we don't like the way the sun comes in in the afternoon or whatever it is, you can always pull out at the last minute in Ireland. So just because you're going to say it agreed, it's, that's not a contractual arrangement. That's just both of you agreeing that this is the price I'll offer and this is the price I'll accept. But you can't actually just rock up and look at houses anymore that's gone out the window but that 
I mean, that is wild. Like, you know, your house is probably, I mean, I would imagine it's most people's biggest purchase they're ever going to make in their entire life. And like, yes, the computer programs might be incredible, but like, we all know (laughs) that you can look at things on the internet and they can look amazing and then you can see them in reality and the things don't necessarily match up. Like, expecting people to get to the point of signing contracts before they can even look at a house is wild. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit bonkers. Like for most people in Ireland, so every every man, woman and child in Ireland is worth about €170,000 each and the vast majority of that is in your house. So it's the biggest thing you'll ever buy. It's going to see you through retirement. It's the thing you'll pass on to your kids. It's a huge... Uh, it's a huge commitment to make and you can't go and see the house that you're making this huge commitment to buy so yeah it's a real problem but worse than that it means that very few people are going to see houses it means that an awful lot fewer houses are being sold that means there's a pent-up demand a whole lot of people are moved home living with their parents saving money they have a deposit to go uh, but they're chasing very few properties because a lot of also you got to remember a lot of people don't want to sell their houses a lot particularly older people they're afraid put mm. the house on the market I'll have strangers tramping through the house yeah. God only knows what they're going to bring with them in terms of pandemics and diseases and look we'll hang on until this is over and then we'll sell the house yeah and uh, I mean so what does that mean then when we get to the other side of this whether it's in three months six months or a year it, it means really that there's a lot of pent-up demand there's a lot of people who are mortgage approved uh, and the vast with the more than half the people who've got mortgage approval in the last while are first-time buyers so they're like ready they're chomping at the bit and ready to go and so it means that when these restrictions are lifted and we can kind of get back to some semblance of normality i don't think we'll ever get back to the way we were before where we mass viewings on a saturday afternoon and everybody piles into the house and um, but it, it means there'll be a lot of pent-up demand uh, and prices like you can't see prices falling in terms of that the, the, the housing market uh, and that's not t- that's not putting pressure on people who are sitting at home listening to this go, going you know Jamie we should buy the house now because prices are only going to rise uh, but you know there's a lot of there will be a lot of people out there frustrated living at home with their parents dying to get away from the parents have the deposit but nowhere to go so as soon as this I think as soon as this you know as we get back to normality uh, I think I think you know there'll be a, a surge of people out there uh, buying the limited number of houses that, that are available to buy you know yeah exactly because we had a demand problem before there was a pandemic so you know it's it's not great news is it it'll be more of a supply problem really yeah yeah well yeah I suppose one goes with the other um, uh, before we move on if anybody has a question for Lorcan about buying about renting if you're a landlord if you're a tenant whatever your situation is he can answer every question right Lorcan <laughs> Louise, I hate when you say that. <laughs> I know you do. That's why I say it. <laughs> so I asked you if you had questions for Lorcan, uh, whether you're a landlord, a tenant, a buyer or a seller. And um, we are going to bring you some of those questions now. Are you ready, Lorcan? I am, Louise. Always ready. <laughs> OK. Can you get a survey done on a house at the moment? Surely if the surveyor can do his or her job, we can view a house. Yeah, absolutely you can. A survey is considered, you know, essential works, um, so falls under the kind of heading of construction uh, and the the type of construction that's allowed to happen includes the survey. So, yeah. Um, Now, the survey could take a bit longer than you think because of COVID and arranging times and you can't, the surveyor just can't rock up and and do it like they used to do. So it might take a little bit longer than than before, but yeah, you can get surveys done. It's weird though, isn't it? Because surely, like, surely 
I look, there's no point. The rules are the rules. Sorry, I won't question the logic. Um, okay, the next question is, I gave my tenants a big decrease in rent for over a year now. They have decided to leave the house to move in with family. Can I list the house at the rent I officially had it at or the reduced rent? This is a really good question, okay, because under under the RTB, uh, sorry, under the Residential um, uh, Act, when the landlord changes the rent, whether it's up or down in the middle of a tenancy, they have one month to register that new rent with the RTB. And what that means is that the RTB then gets, you know, they're able to collate all the data in, in Ireland and they'll know whether rents are going up or down. They'll have an accurate representation. Now, I suspect that landlord, by the sounds of it, didn't register that new rent with the RTB. And in fairness, I suspect 99% of landlords out there who are changing rents haven't bothered going to the RTB and changing it. So, the, the real answer is um, you're supposed to advertise it at the last rent. Um, so that would be the reduced rent. I'd say in reality, the vast majority of landlords are just going to put it up for, for the headline rent, what we call the headline rent, the non-reduced rent mm. that they initially started charging uh, their tenants at. It's a really good question because what happens in the larger landlord, so that sounds like it's kind of a, a normal kind of small landlord, you know, your typical landlord, but with the larger companies out there, they're not reducing the rent because they'd have to go like, you know, they would do everything by the book Officially, and they'd go to yeah. the RTB and change the rent. Um, yeah, so what they're doing is they're giving what we call rent-free periods. So if you take a lease for a year, they might give you six weeks where you don't pay any rent. So that means that, you know, you're still paying 2800 uh, a month, but only for 10 and a half months of the year. So that works out if you divide that by 12, it works out. 2,470 odd euro a month but what it means for the large landlords is they're, main, they're able to keep that 2,800 as their rent rather yeah. than having the question that that landlord had there you know when are we reduced it yeah so I suppose technically so the answer is technically you should be putting it up at whatever you've been charging but if you haven't officially registered it then no one's gonna know I'm not sure I could officially comment as a, as a person, but the reality is I suspect that a lot of landlords are going to, you know, obviously going to ignore the reduction that they gave their, their tenants and yeah. are going to advertise it at the rent that they reasonably think they can get. Which I think that the there's, yeah, they, there's they a, lot of, on paper. a lot of grey area in the context of, of the life that we're living at the moment. And, you know, yeah, I suppose everybody has to use a bit of common sense. And yeah, and I think the chances to be really, yeah, to be really... To be really honest, I think the chances of getting caught are minimal uh, doing that, you know, and I suspect landlords want to get back to a position where they're getting the rent that they think the place is worth, uh, you know, post-COVID as quickly as possible. Okay, next question says, we're having an issue with our landlord. Two heaters are broken and the landlord is using COVID to not fix them. He's a plumber, so does all his own repairs in the house. I've offered to not be in the house when he's fixing them, but he won't budge. At this stage, I think we should stop paying rent, but my partner is worried. What options do we have? Yeah, he should be fixing it without a doubt. Uh, there's there's no question about that. But he doesn't have to do it himself. It doesn't matter if he's a plumber or if he's a butcher. If he's a, it doesn't matter what he does. He should have that fixed, and he, or he should arrange to get that fixed. The a good a good suggestions obviously have the house emptied and, and ventilated before somebody somebody comes. Do not stop paying the rent. You you you're kind of losing the high moral ground when you stop paying the rent. Apart from the fact that it's illegal, uh, and you're just giving your landlord a, you know a better excuse to try and get you out as soon as they can when this is over. So I, I would not stop paying the rent, uh, and if they don't 
you know, write to them and give them 10 days to come and fix it. And if they don't, then get onto the RTB uh, threshold and the RTB. The RTB is very, threshold is great for advice. Uh, so you can ring threshold and they'll give you loads of good advice about this. And then if, if you don't get anywhere with the landlord, then you can open a dispute with the residential tenancy support. What would Actually, happen? It's a good idea to check and make sure that the tenancy is registered with the RTB in the first place. Okay, yeah. Can I ask, like, what would happen if if they said, say, okay, I'm going to give you 10 days and then at the end of the 10 days, we will we will get it fixed, we will pay and we will reduce that from our next rent. Is that putting you in dodgy territory? It, it kind of, legally it would be, yeah, right. but it's a very practical solution yeah. uh, to doing that. But the danger is then when you come to leave the tenancy and the landlord has €1,500 Euro of your money in the deposit and he takes out €200 right. Euro that you paid to get the, yeah. you know, that you re- withheld from the rent because you got a plumber in yourself, then you're into dispute territory uh, already, yeah. Okay. Um, and it turns out we've loads of landlords listening to this program, which I did not expect. Um, if you have a tenant, says this person, under the rent-a-room scheme and it is not working out, can you give them reasonable notice to leave now during level five, as it is my home and my primary residence? Is there a difference in the situation with eviction during COVID? Yeah, rent-a-room is, is, is not a tenancy. Rent-a-room is what we call a licence agreement. So the same way as if, you know, if you go to a hotel, Louise, or a B&B, mm. or, you know, if you're staying somewhere like that, that's a licence agreement. It's not a tenancy. So you get no rights. No, you know, you can spend six months living in a hotel. You have no right to stay there for the next year or five years or whatever it is. You're just, you can be told to go anytime you want. So the rent-a-room scheme would fall under that, that heading of licence agreement. So you can get rid of the person, uh, you know, in, in the nicest way that you can but if you want to get rid of them if it's not working out you will then absolutely it's the same way as a hotel can come along and knock on your door and say we don't like the way you're behaving in the hotel you need to leave now it's 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 the same thing God you kind of feel for both people in that situation because obviously it's not an ideal time to be told that you need to move out of anywhere um, but at the same time if you're here stuck at home at level 5 with someone in your house well, this, and it's not working out about housing yeah, this is the thing about housing. It's much more than bricks and mortar. Like a lot of discussion in housing is about supply and building and where we're building and planning and height and all that kind of stuff. But actually, housing is a really human thing because it's the thing that, you know, it's where we live. It's our shelter. And also most of us are, you know, a huge amount of us live with other people. So it's a very human thing. So our houses, the way, the way they're designed, the number of rooms in them, who you live with is really, it's a really human kind of function, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us today. As always, you were able to answer every question. Uh, that is Dr. Lorcan Sir, Senior Lecturer at the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at the Technical University uh-huh. Dublin. Thank you so much, Lorcan. Louise McSherry on 2FM.